Hello, and welcome to episode 218 of the End Focus podcast. I am your solo host, Andrew Brown. Sylvia and Rosalie are both out this week. Hopefully they'll rejoin us uh, in the next episode. We've never done a solo recording before, but uh, I've been listening to some other game podcasts that do do solo recordings, either because that's all that's available or that's just their format, and I decided we should at least try it here. You know our feedback forums in Discord, and you can contact us on Twitter. If you don't like it, let us know, and we won't do it again. I'm Andrew, and I'll be going forward in this episode to talk about what I played this week. So this week I played Harvestella, and I've actually been playing it about over the past month since I wrapped up Pokemon Gen 9. Uh, This came out in very early November of last year, and it was actually one of the games that I really wanted to play, but there was just too much else that I had already started but hadn't finished yet, so it took me until this point to start it. This is Square Enix's take on the farm sim slash action RPG genre. It's their take on Rune Factory, basically. Uh, I play as uh, the male PC, anyway, is called Ein. I'm not sure what the, the female PC is called. They wake up in a village called Lethe one morning that is being consumed by this natural phenomenon called Quietus, and they're rescued by the local doctor, and the local mayor sets them up the next day with their own little plot of land. You know, it's it's a basic rune factory opening. They just find some way to stick your amnesiac player character into a farm and said, go farm, and meanwhile explore the countryside and uh, kill things in the dungeons that are there. Now, the farm sim half of the game I would really describe as farm sim light. The player character is interesting. He has this multi-tool basically that will do all of the farm tool functions. It's your watering can. It's your hammer. There's no axe, interestingly enough. It's your hoe. It's your fishing rod. And when we get into the action RPG, the dungeon crawling half, it also turns into the weapons for all of the different classes. So that's a, a an efficient way of putting all of the character abilities in a single space. And actually, this part of it being a light farm sim, I don't mind so much. The tools don't upgrade as you would normally expect in a farm sim, especially if you played a game like, you know, the Story of Seasons series or Stardew Valley, how there's a very clearly delineated upgrade path the tools follow. Doesn't do that in this game. Uh, Instead, you get some fairy helpers who uh, gain new abilities as you work on the farm, and that's how your tools improve. Like the watering can at the start, you can just water one square at a time, but after you've done some work on the farm, then you'll get a fairy upgrade for it that will make it so you can water uh, three squares at once while walking forward. The number of crops that are available are much more limited. They grow quite quickly. Uh, When I was first starting out, there was actually crops that were growing in a single day in your first spring, which was quite unusual for me to experience in a farm sim. But over time, I started uh, going for crops that did take a bit longer to grow, yet even still, it's not difficult to grow every kind of crop in every season. Whereas normally in a farm sim, there's enough variety that you kind of have to pick and choose what you want to focus on. Livestock is likewise much simpler. There's not a lot to them. There's 
a chicken and a cow or a goat, basically. They, they have their own fantasy names, which honestly I didn't even bother to learn. They produce eggs, they produce milk, and they have their own pens. But you don't really have to take care of them the way you do in other farm sims. If there's food in their local silo, they'll eat it automatically, and you just swing by once a day to grab the stuff they've produced. If you are really focused, you can pet them, which will improve uh, their closeness to you which will improve the quality of the egg slash milk that they produce otherwise it's not as labor intensive as it has been in other farm sims i've played so very little time that has to go in that the only really notable thing i feel like harvestella does that makes it stand out from other farm sims and actually feels like it's going the extra mile to give you more to do is it does introduce biomes as you add those fairies to your farm while playing through the story, they will unlock uh, first a waterside biome on your farm and then also a, a cave biome. These are totally automated. You don't have to water any seeds you plant in either of these. Uh, they will take care of themselves. Plant your either waterside specific or your cave specific seeds and then just swing by a few days later to get your stuff out of it. Could have been interesting, but... It's so set it and forget it that it's almost pointless to even think about it. Uh, the fairies that I mentioned, they do give you things to work towards. There's a journal inside the house that is filled with the fairy orders that is just filled with a long checklist of goals to accomplish. I was really excited when I first saw this because I thought it was really going to give me something to work towards. But really, the goals aren't difficult to reach. Now, the obvious goals in the fairy orders are to harvest a certain number of each crop. The most ambitious ones actually top out at 100. You can easily plant four different batches of the different crops, uh, of most of the crops, in each season. Uh, of 20 to 25, That will it'll cap them out. It's really... It's super easy to finish almost everything in the fairy orders in your first, first year in the game. The fairy orders are also where your improvements come from. It's where your improved watering can that I mentioned comes from. It's also how you improve your hammer. So if you want to destroy the bigger rock that are blocking the tillable parts of your farm, you have to first get that fairy, then you have to complete enough of their orders to unlock that upgrade for the hammer. That took me quite some time. I was in fall, I think, before I was able to smash the bigger rocks. Overall, I really liked that the fairy orders were there to give me something to work towards. It's just it wasn't really that difficult to work towards everything. And when I hit credits in the story part of the game, I was done with almost all of the fairy orders. Kind of disappointing. Now, since it's a, a very light sort of farm sim, it really only takes you a couple hours to do everything on your farm every day. I think that's intentional. It's probably similar in Rune Factory, although I have to admit I've never actually played a Rune Factory a farm sim. I'm going to fix that in the rest of this year. I'm planning to start uh, the first one when I have a chance in the coming weeks to the coming months. I don't know when. It, since it only takes a couple in-game hours to tend to your farm, then it wants you to spend the rest of the game doing the action RPG half. You You go off to wherever you're currently at in the story, there are four different towns you can visit in the game, and there are different stories and different conflicts going on in each town that send you to nearby dungeons, and you just work through wherever you're at in the dungeon. The 
dungeon layouts are kind of clever because they're designed to be done in chunks. You probably could speed run a dungeon. I'm sure it's been done, but it's not really designed to be done that way. It's designed to be done over multiple in-game days or even multiple in-game weeks. There are save points in the dungeons that you can skip between, and also there are shortcuts you can unlock, like you can repair ladders, you can blow up walls using bombs, and you can build bridges, or you can repair broken bridges. That way you can uh, move deeper into the dungeon much more quickly on your next visit, which is kind of a fun idea, and it's, it's probably the most engaging Harvestella becomes because it's the most solid form of progression that you really have. Uh, and while you're fighting all the monsters in the dungeons, you have a number of classes you can play as. You start off with a fighter who just swings their sword and they can do some fire magic. But you also, you soon unlock a mage class and then with every character who ends up joining your party over the course of the game, and there's nine total, I think, then they will also add more jobs you can switch to. And you can equip up to three jobs at a time and you can switch between them in the middle of a battle with a, with a short cooldown before you can switch back. The enemies all have different weaknesses, they're weak to different weapon types, and they're weak to different magic types, which sounds cool on paper, but it really wasn't until the final dungeon that I actually felt like I really had to switch between jobs. I played most of the game just using the mage class because I could stay back and fire magic at enemies without getting hit while my party members tanked all the damage. That worked for pretty much the entire game. Uh, but once that strategy quit working, I actually found myself uh, quite unprepared for <laughs> taking damage, and I actually did die a few times just because I wasn't I wasn't used to dealing with enemies who were actually trying to hurt me. But even still, I would not classify this as a difficult game at all. Now, I've described the form sim in the action RPG as two halves, and that's technically true, but what I really felt like I was spending most of my time in Harvestella doing was the social sim whole. There is so much talking in this game because every town you visit has a certain number of quests in them that you can do and each character you add to your party and as I said there's nine. They have a ten part quest that you have to finish and you can do at most one part each day. So that, that really does add up over the course of the game. And these could be interesting. They, they fill in a lot of the story. They, they fill in like the lore of the world. They make it feel like a much more detailed world and a well-thought-out world. And I actually did stick with them for quite a while without resenting it too much. It's just this game is a farm sim. It's a dungeon crawler. None of these quests really took advantage of the fact that these are the things Harvestella is doing on its gameplay side. It was just so much talking. Text box after text box after text box. And like if you've played Stardew Valley, which I think is the farm sim most people are familiar with, like it has something similar with characters where you develop relationships with them. And when you reach certain mile points in their relationship meter, then you, you unlock new cutscenes that progress the story forward. Except it, it takes a while to get to those new cutscenes. Like almost every single day I was having somebody send me a letter in Harvestella, come talk to me and we'll do the next part of my quest together. And then we sit there and we talk. We don't raid a dungeon to solve their problem. 
Uh, I don't have to deliver them food to unlock the next part of their quest. I just have to have access to the right areas, and then it happens automatically. <laughs> so there were days I would spend hours just clicking through text boxes to, de to get through all of these town quests and all these character quests, which were often worth the effort. They give you uh, currency when you finish them. They unlock new recipes. Uh, and for the party members, the party members get stronger and they unlock new abilities. And if you want to cap out the job of the party member that you share that job with, you have to get their relationship meter to a certain length. Otherwise, you can't reach the top tier abilities in that job. So it wasn't that it wasn't worth doing. It's just I really felt like it was drowning out the action RPG part of the game, and especially the farm sim half. If you've played Stardew Valley, most in-game days in that last about 20-25 minutes, maybe a little longer if you're doing a few... Uh, quests in that game where where when you're doing a quest or when you're in a conversation with somebody time freezes that'll make an in-game day last a little longer in harvestella it's the same thing time will freeze it's just it's going on for so long most in-game days i would say in this i spent up to an hour uh, in just a single in-game day and when it takes you less than five minutes to do all your farm chores on an in-game day, that really drowns out, you know, the farm part of this. Like, I, I easily could have forgotten that I was playing a farm sim, and really, I think Square Enix could have quite easily removed the farm sim part of this game and just made it so you could earn money someplace else, you know, pump up the money you earned from killing monsters, would have made very little difference. The farm sim part of this game really feels tacked on. Not all that well thought out not integrated very well and especially once you finished the four towns like the four main towns and then that's when you reach the plot twist and the game progresses from there into lots of unexpected places the farming just gets completely forgotten at that point because up until then like when you finished a town that was when you unlock your new fairies so you're getting new farm abilities you're getting new goals to accomplish on the farm you're getting new seeds and new recipes to plant and new you know new recipes to to craft new items but once those four towns are done and you're only halfway done with the game that just it just stops and it just all becomes about the plot and just hitting those dungeons now as to the plot this is very much a Square Enix RPG. It is way too complicated, and it's all backstory, and there is way too much exposition to explain it all, especially when you hit that back half of the game. The exposition is weighted very heavily in the back half of the game. Uh, I spent about 80 hours just finishing Harvestella. I didn't even finish the first in-game year. Now, if you've played Stardew Valley your eyebrows are in the air. 80 hours and you don't even finish the first year? That's astonishing. 80-hour playtime, I estimate I spent more than half of that clicking through text boxes. And by the end of the game, after it had introduced its third plot twist and, like, literally after I'd beaten the final boss, it once again, like, there was literally a line in the game that I'll explain what's really happening. <laughs> it, it, it was... I was... 
my eyes did a somersault in my head that after the final boss, there was still another plot twist and more exposition to be pumped into me just so I could understand what was going on. Just another way too convoluted story from Square Enix. They really need to learn that simpler is better. Now, what to do after I've saved the world? There is a post-game dungeon with many floors. Uh, one of the goals in the Fairy Orders book is to reach the 10 floor mark in this dungeon. Most dungeons in the game only have about five floors. So that's kind of says something right there that only the first goal marker in there is at 10 floors, which is the size of two dungeons in the game. And there's about, I don't know, maybe a dozen dungeons total. So five floors each, that's about 60 floors. <laughs> so it looks like maybe half the dungeon content in the game is just in this one post-game dungeon. I would like to say that, you know, you could spend the rest of the game working towards the fairy orders, but the fairy orders are very simple to finish in your first year without really trying, you know, trying to cap out all the character stories. I finished almost everybody's character story uh, before I finished the story. There was literally just one character who has like one more meetup for us to do. I have read you can uh, become a life partner with one of your characters. That's th that's the term the game uses. It's it's completely aromantic. It's just you pick one of your characters, one of your party members who you have reached the 10th level on their relationship meter and they'll move in with you in your house. But I don't think it has any impact on anything. <laughs> and then other than that just, you know, accumulating disgusting amounts of money, growing crops every day and just creating a totally self-sufficient farm, which already the farm chores only take about five minutes to do. You're done before 8 a.m. most days. Yeah, this is a real disappointment as a farm sim. You know, once you've done all the dungeon stuff, once you finish the story and all that's really left to keep you playing is the farm stuff, there, there's really nothing here. Not a lot of value I see in the post-game in this, unless you're really excited to finish that post-game dungeon or to grind all the job skills up, which, yikes, I have no desire to do that. Production values on this game, this is definitely one of Square Enix's budget games. Uh, the graphics aren't bad, and there are even a few places where they are actually quite stunning, but this was definitely a game that was designed with less powerful platforms in mind, i.e. the Switch. Its performance in docked mode is quite a bit better than in handheld. There's a variable resolution going on here, and in handheld mode it's much more noticeable than it is in docked, especially when you're on your personal farm because it's quite a large space and it's so customizable that the performance just is kind of all over the place there. How it seems to work is the closer your character is to the screen, the more detailed they are, uh, but when you're playing handheld, even if they're just a short distance away, they become very blurry, like their face almost completely disappears, and it's, it's quite noticeable. It's a budget game, so it isn't that important, I think, and I, I found it perfectly playable even in handheld, although I, I did spend most of the game playing docked. As a cheaper game, the animations are very simple, faces are completely static, the the different character models only have a handful of animations they just repeat over and over, which really did not make the text boxes all that entertaining to click through. 
Each important character does have a very large and very expressive portrait that will shift through in the different text boxes. I loved looking at them. Uh, have no complaints about that part of the game. The music is also excellent. There's a lot of acoustic guitar, but then there's also a lot of more, you know, bombastic fantasy RPG music that you expect from Square Enix. Definitely liked the music in this game quite a bit. I think that would probably be the best part of the game. So listen to the soundtrack if you really want to, uh, but you certainly don't need to play the game to enjoy the music. Harvestella I found disappointing as a farm sim, and as an action RPG it might have been okay, but it was overwhelmed by too much dialogue and exposition. I ultimately didn't dislike Harvestella, but I did find my patience tested quite a bit. Uh, just trying to endure all the, the exposition and all the text blocks just to get to the end of the game. Bit of a letdown for me. So that's going to be the end of this episode. Uh, a special solo recording, which I may or may not be doing more of in the future, but I wanted to try one just to see how it would go. So tune in for episode 119, where I will be discussing Grammarian Limited. It's a indie text adventure where you work for a company who corrects people's grammar. Yes, I'm playing a grammar game. <laughs> it should be fun. <laughs> it's very up my alley. Tune in next episode for that, and hopefully Sylvie and or Rosalie will be joining me with then. Thanks for listening to this episode of Focus. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast services. Make sure to check out our sister shows, PlayState and Power of X, and be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively GamePodular community. You can follow us on Twitter and at GamePodular.com for updates, news, and other content. Links are in the show notes. If you'd like to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a GamePodular Patreon, and the details for both are found on our website. Thanks in advance. This episode was edited by me, and you can follow me on Twitter at PlayCritically. And follow our regular co-hosts, Rosalie at Little Record Girl. That's L-I-L Record Girl. And Sylvia is on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Tori. That's S-Y-L-V-I-E-T-O-R-I.